our sermon series on the miracles of Elijah. Last week, we saw the second miracle God performed through Elijah in the life of the widow of Zarephath. If you remember, when she obeyed the word of God through Elijah, the flour and the oil multiplied. So it looks like Elijah ended up in staying in that house for quite some time because there was a severe famine in the land. And Bible says Elijah was staying in the upper room of the widow's house. And subsequently, there are a couple of things that are happening for that woman, for the widow. She thought she just came out of a severe drought. She survived through the severe drought, but now she's into another trouble. So let, let's open our Bible to 1 Kings, or you can look at the screen. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 17 to 24. So let's read 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 17 through 24. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was, a serious, was serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring, to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Verse 20, 1 Kings chapter 17. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. Verse 23, and Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Now we see an amazing incident of a son of the widow who died and who's coming back alive. So this morning I would like to title this sermon as Miracles of Elijah, Rising the Widow's Son. Raising the Widow's Son. Can you say that with me? Raising the Widow's Son. So I would like to divide this scripture portion into three segments. You know, we all know that it's an amazing miracle that anyone could ever do, nobody could ever do. It's, it's just only God could accomplish this through Elijah, through the prophet Elijah. This morning, I would like to just divide this entire scripture into three segments and we are just going right, right away, just let's get into the, the, get into the scripture. Verses 17 and 18, shall we read, just read this together? Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick and his sickness was so severe, serious, that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come 
to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son. What we see right here is that there is a blame game that's going on right here. Can you say blame game? Remember, God performed many miracles through Elijah, even in front of this woman. God multiplied the flour, of, flour and the oil, but still she had a hesitation to believe that Elijah is the real man of God and the word is the word of God. And now she, come to, she has come to a situation where she lost her only son. And she's telling Elijah, have you come here to kill my son? You remember Elijah was the one who extended their lives, both of their lives, so that they could survive in the, in the famine. But now she is against Elijah asking him, have you come here? To remind me of my old sins and have you come here to kill my only son? A blame game. In a world that accuses the life giver saying that he is a killer. I mean, that's what is exactly happening here. The women accuse him, charge him with the offense and with fault, saying that you are responsible for killing my son. There's another word. It's a brother to the word of accusing. It's blaming. So she was blaming Elijah for killing her son. And anything that happened in the world, you know, people have a tendency of blaming God. Have you come across this situation? Anything that goes on, the war in Ukraine and, you know, the famine in some part of the land or, or COVID, who's blamed? God is blamed. You know, if you know the scripture, if you're a student of the word of God, you know God has nothing to do with this. God has nothing to do with this. You know, many times the world blamed God. And you know the, who is the master accuser? Who's the master accuser? Satan, the devil. He's the master accuser. Let, let's get into the word. Uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Bible says, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Who's the accuser? The devil. And where is he standing and accusing? In front of God. And accusing about whom? For, about whom? About us. He always has a complaint. You know, so, in, so person, you know, he does this, she does this. She's not a child of God. He's not a child of God. He's the master accuser. He's accusing us before God. And here we see the woman accusing Elijah for killing his, her son. You know, accusing also as a cousin brother, complaining. A cousin sister, murmuring. Complaining and murmuring. You know, some of those things are familiar to us, right? So complaining and murmuring, right? So many times, you know, at, even, at, even at home, we, we hear something happening there. Right? In the kitchen, there is something going on, some voice, you know, but we, are, we don't really know what it is exactly. We try to listen to that, but you can't listen to that. What is it called? You know well, right? <laughs> so, so that's what exactly happening. This woman was not, not at all happy. The woman asked Elijah, oh man of God, have you come here to kill my son? 
The saddest part there is, many times the church behaves the same way the world behaves. Can you say church? Many times we are the church, you know, we at times behave the same way the world behaves, saying, complaining to God and murmuring against God. Who comes in your mind when you talk about this from the word of God? Say out loud. Satan, okay. When you talk about murmuring and complaining, who comes in your mind? Job, okay, good, yeah, in the positive way, right? Job, let's, let's get there. Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 22. Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 20, 21, sorry, 20, 21, 22. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell down to the ground and worshipped. And he said, can you read that with me? Beautiful scripture, Job chapter 1, verse 21, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin, nor complain, or murmur, or accuse God with wrong. The characteristics of a child of God. God expects us to be content with what is given. God doesn't expect us to murmur, complain. God wants you to thank him for the family that God has given you, children that God has given you, the church that God has given you. You know, we are a bunch of people we will never get satisfied on the face of this earth. God wants you to thank him for the job that God has given you, the blessings that God has given you in all these things. And what was going on in the life of Job? He just lost all his seven sons and three daughters. That's not easy. We haven't lost, we haven't lost anybody, any such things in our lives. God has not taken our people out of our life just like that. God has not done any harm to us. God is taking care of you, God is feeding you. He has given us everything. The characteristics, true characteristics of a child of God is to say that blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The first thing we must do in our lives, we must stop complaining, stop blaming, and start doing something about it. Secondly, the first King chapter 17, verse 19, and he said to that woman, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed, own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, Lo, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched, him out, stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, Lo, Lord, my God, I pray let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. Secondly, first we talked about blame games. Secondly, taking responsibility. Can you say taking responsibility? Elijah could have easily said, woman, it looks like your time has come, your son's time has come. God has given, God has taken. Let's plan for his funeral service now. Elijah could have very well said that. Elijah would have said very well saying that, 
okay, let's worry for some time. Let's mourn over the dead body and then let's bury the dead body. Or Elijah could have said that, women, listen to me. You and your son, you are about to die, but now you are blaming me for killing your son. What's wrong with you? No, Elijah did not say a word. What did he say? Give me your son. Taking responsibility. The second thing that God wants us to do, you and me to do, is to take responsibility. When there is a problem, God expects God's children not to run away from it, but instead to take responsibility. You know, God expects us to take responsibility. A leader or a child of God or a church is not supposed to run away, but it's supposed to take responsibility. You know, that's the church that God wanted to be. He owned the problem. That's the reason he put him on his own bed. It's his problem. He owned the problem. And not only the problem, he also found the solution. You know, in this situation, I, I'm sure Elijah could not have done anything by himself. He had to ask God. And he knew, where, he, knew, he knew very well where to find the answer for the problem, where to find the solution for the problem. You know, today we know that God has a solution for every problem that we see on the face of this earth today. Do you believe that? God has an answer. God has a solution. But God has a solution for the problem that, that people are facing today. God has an answer to all the questions that we have today. But God wants someone to take the responsibility. God wants someone to own the problem. God wants somebody to take the responsibility. Every problem has a solution. Because we don't take responsibility to own the problem on ourselves. At times we believe that we don't have anything to do with that problem. Because of our attitude, we don't find a solution most of the time. And this morning, God is telling us, we need to own the problem. I thank God for the intercessors in this ministry. They are not here. They are, they are in different parts of the globe. They get together during the, way, during the weekdays and they intercede. That's what exactly they do. They don't say that it's not my problem, it's somebody else's problem. They take it as if it's their own problem and they cry out to God. They cry out to God. God wants the church, God wants all of us to come back to God, saying that, God, I'm willing to take the responsibility on me. Think about Jesus. If Jesus would not have taken the cruel cross on him, the responsibility, the heavy sin, the pressing sin of the entire mankind upon him, today the salvation would not have come. Paul is asking us to take responsibility in God's kingdom. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 and 8, 6 through 8. Romans 12, 6 through 8, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let's use them. Joy, before, as she was finishing the worship, you know, she was telling about God is calling us. It's very well ties with this sermon this morning. God is calling us to take responsibility in his kingdom. Enough is invested in our lives. It is time to do something for God as individuals, as families. Let's read that having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let's use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportions of our, proportion to our faith. Or it is ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhorting, he who gives with liber, liberally, 
He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with the cheerfulness. God wants us to start taking responsibility in our lives. God wants us to do something, own the problem in our lives so that God can do something about it. On the day, if Elijah would not have taken the responsibility on him, she would not have received her son back. Just only because Elijah, you know, God is able, but God is looking for us to take the responsibility. And Elijah did that perfectly. Thirdly, verse 23 and 24. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see you are son's life. Sorry, your son leaves. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. I mean, that doesn't really encourage me. That doesn't really say anything to me. She must be knowing already that he's a man of God. She must, because God shut the heaven, right? God, God provided, God multiplied with the little resource that she had. But thank God, at least she came to grips, you know, grips with God right now at least. So thirdly, God wants us to be a solution, not a problem. Can you say that with me? Be a solution, not a problem. The woman wanted a solution for her problem. That's all she was in need. She never wanted a problem. The woman wanted the dead, dead son to come alive. She, doesn't want to, she didn't want to see the dead body. She wanted to see the, the living boy. You know, today this is what we are looking at in our lives. We don't want problems. How many days we keep handling problems? We don't want problems. What we need is what? Solution. We need a solution for that. The world is already having enough problems. The families are already going through enough problem. Children are having enough problem already. And we don't want to add another problem to them. Can we bring some solution? Can we give a result answer to their questions? How can we be a solution to the problem? Elijah, a man of God, being a solution in the situation where an answer was, in, was demanded. How can we become a solution to the problems? There are three things I just want to share with you, and we are going to get into a time of prayer. If you want to be a solution, not a problem, number one thing that we need to do, we should not neglect the problem. We should not neglect the problem. Elijah realized that the son died. The widow wanted the son back. That was a problem. He did not ignore it. He did not run away from that house. He did not say excuses. He was not trying to console her. Elijah realized that there is a problem. You know, and many times we don't sense the problem in our lives. We allow the problem to grow by not addressing the problem in time. A repair in a car that needs its attention or it needs to be fixed the moment the problem is sensed. If you don't do it, we know it will lead to a major breakdown. The moment we realize that there is something wrong with your child, it is time to know, sense, and do something about it. A friction in marriage, a symptom that is related to our health condition, it is time to do something about it. It's a low score in, in intern, internals and midterm. There is time to do something about it. At times we don't have spiritual appetite. 
We don't feel like coming to church. We don't feel like praying. It's time to do something about it. Or it, at times it's some, someone, you know, someone is hurting out there. Or someone is struggling. Someone is going through a difficult time. Somebody is in crisis. Help is needed at that moment. It is time to react. It's better to react in time. Know that we have a problem this morning. God wants us to know that we have a problem and we are here seeking for solution and we are supposed to give a solution to somebody else who is going through difficulty. The second thing that we need to do in order to find a solution to a problem, second thing, don't focus on the problem. Elijah did not focus on the dead body. He was not just sitting there for half an hour, hands folded, not speaking anything because that's how we are supposed to behave in a house where somebody is lost, someone is lost. No, 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 he was not doing it. He was not focusing on the problem. Elijah did not cry over the situation and he did not even feel sorry that you lost your son. Many times we worry about the problem. That's what we do most of the time. We keep worrying about the problem that we have. We stop the rest of the things. The moment we are stuck with the problem, we just get into the closet and we shut ourselves. We get into the room and shut ourselves and we don't even talk to anybody. Is there any witness here? Moment we get a problem, that's what we do. We don't talk to anybody. We isolate ourselves. Elijah did not do that. The moment we have a problem, we stop seeking. The first thing we stop is what? Coming to church. That's what we do first. Because we are angry with God. Right? Before I'm getting angry with the pastor, we are angry with God. We stop seeking God. We stop going to church. Why? Because I have a problem. We ignore others. We start hating everybody. Because I have a problem, I'm going through a difficult time. Someone told me on the other day, when I'm in a difficult mood, in a tough mood, don't talk to me, talk to me, don't even touch me, okay? Not my wife, somebody else. <laughs> we give more importance to the problem most of the time. This morning I pray that God may turn our eyes to somewhere else. Do not focus on the problem. Thirdly, if you want to find a solution for the problem, don't fix the problem all alone. Elijah could not have fixed that problem by himself. We need God. We need God every minute, every moment. Help is always available, but we need to find out. We need to find out. I thank God for those who are calling me during the week multiple times and saying that, Pastor, I'm sorry I'm calling you directly. Pastor, I'm sorry I'm calling you directly. I thank God for you because you know where to find help. You know where to find support. Help is available. God helps through whom? God helps through people. We have many stories, right? God helps through people. God helps through the church. God helps through believers and even non-believers. God brings help in our lives through different ways. We never want to say no to those helps. We can't do everything, everything by ourselves. Never try to fix your problem just by yourself. More than everything, seek God for help. This morning, God wants us to know He is the only solution. If at all somebody has to come on your way, only He can send that person on your way. You need to call, cry out to Him. Those who are going through problem, they need to be brought to Jesus. 
They need to come to Jesus. The world is today struggling. They have enough problem to handle. And God is expecting you and me to show them the solutions, show them the cross, show them to the only one whom they can go and find a solution for their problem. We are the solution. We are not the problem. We are the solution. This morning, I pray that God may help us to find a solution for all the problems that we are dealing with. Do not continue. Do not prolong to allow that problem to continue in your life, in your marriage. Find a solution for that. Do not allow the problem to continue in the life of your children. Find a solution for that. There are majority of the problems on the face of this earth is either, either one of this nature. Two major problems the world is handling, and all of us handle it. Just put that in the screen now. Two solutions and two problems. Number one, not knowing where to go and what to do. Brother, how are you doing? I'm doing good. What are you doing? I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody knows where to go and what to do. You know, life has taken a toll on us. We are not sure what is going to happen next. The number one problem that we have is not knowing where to go and what to do. We need some light in those areas, in those dark areas, in those vague moments of our life, unable to take proper decision in our lives as we move on to move forward. We need some light in those dark areas. The number two problem that we have today, not having any desire to go and not having any desire to do anything. We see that among children, we see that among teens, we see that among youth, not having any desire to do anything, not having any desire to go anywhere. What we need, we need some flavor to life. We need some motivation, we need some encouragement, we need some flavor so that the lost taste is brought back in their lives. The taste that we lost is brought back in our lives. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, you are the salt of the world. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. God has kept us as salt and light not only to your family, but to people around you. Shall we all arise this morning as we close?